If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake, because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. Accept no substitute. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is Billboard.com senior editor Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Oh, hey, Keith. How are you? You know, doing well. I am super stoked because uh, today on the show, we've got Coming Around Again, and it's all about The Simpsons. Okay, we'll stop now. Yeah, I know. You'll, you'll hear more <laughs> about that in just a second because the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, as we mentioned, we've got coming around again with Billboard.com senior associate editor Andrew Unterberger. Andrew will be discussing the 30th anniversary of The Simpsons premiering as part of The Tracy Ullman Show. Andrew will be joined by Pitchfork and spin writer Ian Cohen, and the guys will also be talking about their favorite Simpsons songs, musical moments on the show, and diving headfirst into a discussion about the rock star-filled Homer Palooza episode. So stay tuned for all that in just a few moments. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Um, so I love The Simpsons. Yes, same. Uh, I think uh, it would be appropriate if I gave you a special Simpsons chart stat of the week. Hit me. Or chart stat of the day. It's not <laughs> of the week because we've got more than one episode now. We, we just got chart stats coming out the wazoo. Um, did you know that The Simpsons had a top five charting album on the Billboard 200 chart? Did not know that. Well, it was The Simpsons Sing the Blues, um, and it featured hit songs like Do the Bart Man and Deep Deep Trouble, and it peaked at number three uh, for one week back in January of 1991. But you may be wondering, what blocked the animated family from getting a number one album? Well, since I know I was nine years old when this all went down and I owned that album, it's going to definitely be some music that is dear to my childhood. You were nine. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and loved The Simpsons. Obsessed. Um, well, that week at number one, Vanilla Ice, To the Extreme, was number one. Yes. And Madonna's The Immaculate Collection was number two. Owned so. both of those as well. Oh, really? So I was just really in pop culture at Man, age nine. You were you were, you were very <laughs> young and hip with the pop. Thing. Indeed. Well, um, we'll hear even more about The Simpsons in just a moment because it's time for coming around again. Can I borrow a feeling? Could you lend me a jar of love? Hello and welcome to Coming Around Again, the uh, still relatively new uh, Billboard podcast dealing with music-related anniversaries. I'm Andrew Unterberger. I'm a writer-editor for Billboard. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the 30th anniversary of The Simpsons, 
It's, it's, it's a little bit of a cheap anniversary, kind of. It's, it's not the 30th anniversary of the show proper, but it's the 30th anniversary of its debut on the Tracy Ullman show, which was like a variety show that, that debuted on Fox. It was an important show for them back in 1987. Uh, but it's, you know, it's enough of an excuse to talk about uh, one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And to help us do that, we've got a writer for Spin, Pitchfork, a whole bunch of other places, Ian Cohen. What's up, Ian? How's it going, man? Yeah, going all right. So I, I wanted to talk to you specifically because you know the the, the intersection of rock critic and Simpsons obsessive is certainly not you know it's not a rare one, but I'd say you're pretty squarely in the middle of it. As I even remember once when I was I was writing for Spin, I was writing a, a review of the Beach Slang album, and I wanted to get my review up before I knew you were going to be writing about it for Pitchfork because I made one Simpsons reference in it, and I was positive there was at least like a fifty percent chance that you were going to make the exact same reference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're when you're my age, like you know, I'm 37 years old. So that means, um, you know, I came of age like right during the the core of the Simpsons, uh, where like started to kind of transcend from the cartoon to like this uh, this cultural monolith that has probably influenced my life more than uh, more than anything, really. Um, you know, just my perspective. So. Um, you know, it's an, honor, it's an honor to be that person, even though, like, I mean, you grow up in the 90s uh, and be kind of a smart-ass, uh, a suburban smart-ass man that, like, you were, you gravitated towards the Simpsons. So I'm certainly not alone, but I'm glad you made the call for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And this is actually one of the one of the first things I wanted to talk about. I kind of had a theory, and you can tell me if you sort of agree with it, which is that, like, for, for people, you know, we're about the same age, but we at least both kind of came up, or at least would say we came up in the 90s, and... Uh, I would say for people of our age that the Simpsons are basically the closest thing we had to the Beatles, you know, and I don't mean that in like a, a, a cultural impact way, you know, obviously, you know, the Simpsons were incredibly important to television and to comedy and to animation and all that, but they didn't really have the same kind of, you know, they, they didn't sh- change the culture the way the Beatles did. But what, what they did, what they do have in common with the Beatles is that they have this just unbelievable back catalog. They have like this massive, deep and amazing like text to refer to and like just as how there's really not such a thing as as a Beatles deep cut you know you can talk to somebody from the 60s or even somebody's just raised by somebody from the 60s and you talk to them about a song like like Revolution 9 which is you know an obscure experimental song on side four of the White Album they'll know it and they'll, they'll, they'll recognize references to lyrics and they'll recognize you know just the sort of general concept of the song and it's the same sort of thing with The Simpsons. There's no such thing as an obscure Simpsons reference, at least you know from the first ten seasons. You talk to somebody our age, you know, you can make just like a kind of an offhand, uh, you know, just kind of an allusion to something. Like, like just before, just before coming on today, I, I was I, I had purchased a package of honey roasted peanuts. And I'm sure I could have said something. You know, oh, honey roasted peanuts ingredients. My immediate laughter knows that you realize that I know exactly what you're talking. Exactly, and it's probably the first thing you would think of with honey roasted peanuts, and the first thing that anybody that you and I would kind of concern with would generally think of when they think of that. So, uh, d- does that make sense to you? Do, 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 do you think that that kind of lines up? Uh, yeah, I mean, then, then of course, then we're going to spend the next thirty minutes trying to figure out what the Simpsons equivalent of like bungalow bill is, or like you know why don't we do it in the road? Yeah, sure. Uh, but I think that's um, I, I, I guess that's that's true in the sense that first off, people of a certain age. Um, defend uh, The Simpsons as, like, you know, the zenith of pop culture in the same way, like, people from the Bay Boomer generation might see the Beatles as, like, the platonic ideal of, like, what a rock band could accomplish or any sort of musician can accomplish. And 
Yeah, that, that's the major hole in the theory, certainly. Yeah, this is, now we're getting, like, you know, whatever the, um, this is the answer to, like, flaming pie is or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, like, after a while, you know, like, the Paul McCartney Wings album were pretty good or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, this, the, the Beatles certainly makes sense for me. I mean, it's just such a, like, everything just, like, like politically speaking or just, like, a style of humor or, like, vocabulary or the referential humor. I mean, like, everything um, can kind of go back to that. And it, you, you can certainly tell the, a certain kind of perspective uh, from someone who was raised by the Simpsons. I mean, I just got, I just really, even though I was, like, watching it throughout high school, like, on syndication, that's how I got to, like, really immerse myself in the minutiae of it. I just, I wish I could re-experience it. Like, what it was like to see, like, the monorail episode for, like, the first time. I mean, or, like, any of those for the first time, so. Yeah, it's um, al- it's almost impossible to remember, you know, life before The Simpsons or what it was like to, yeah, to, to exist in a world where this wasn't kind of, you know, the iconic text for our generation. And it, it's, it's just. Because, I mean, you see, like, the way, like, you know, like, TV is talked about today or what, I mean, you know, we didn't. It, it wasn't talked about to the same degree, like the same widespread um, media circulation. So, I mean, it was like around, I mean, it was on Fox, obviously, but I mean, just the, the fact that so many people have this shared experience of like quoting, not just like seeing, like watching a football game, but like seeing it and quoting it and having the same like throwaway lines just somehow circulate through every like middle school and high school. It's, Yeah, definitely. And obviously there's, you know, a million different things we could talk about when talking about The Simpsons and The Simpsons Legacy, but this is a Billboard podcast, so we're mostly going to talk about music. And uh, The Simpsons, they were, I'd say they're very casually innovative in the way they used music. You know, they they used a combination of they would you know they would use pre-existing songs you know pop songs from I guess from, from the mostly from the animators youth uh, but they would also mix in uh, you know their own original songs and parodies of, of, of other you know pre-existing pop songs and, and show tunes and stuff like that and they, they would ha- and they wouldn't necessarily need a reason to to, to throw them in there you know the, there were musical episodes like entirely musical episodes and those, those were great too. But it wouldn't be uncommon to just have, you know, an episode where all of a sudden the entire cast is together in the scene and they would break down the song together. Uh, and, yeah, that, that's kind of one of the things you sort of take for granted about The Simpsons almost is that you don't, you don't even really think about it until you realize, like, well, you only, I guess not a lot of other shows were doing that at the time. And, and, and a number of them have started doing it since. I would say probably not as well as The Simpsons did. Sure. than most shows at the time. Um, uh, animated TV shows, I mean, they existed to a degree, but not, um, they, they weren't either, like, it just gave them, it, it allowed them to take more chances to, like, play with non-sequitur. And I mean, uh, and it was, the thing that's amazing to me, and I think we're going to talk about this later, is just, when you look at the, um, the royalty of, like, who's the most famous musician, like, from the 90s or, you know, like, leading up to, like, 1998, didn't appear on The Simpsons. I mean, like, I, maybe, like, Led Zeppelin or something. Yeah. Like that. I mean, the 
Yeah, when you get three out of four Beatles and, and the other one's not around to show up, I think that's that's a pretty good get. Yeah. It's a pretty good sign of where you're at in the culture. Uh, and so, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so, as you alluded to, yeah, we're, we're going to we, – we got a couple uh, lists that I asked you to prepare and I prepared them myself that we're going to kind of run through. Uh, we're going to talk about our favorite songs from the series uh, and then we're going to talk about our favorite uh, musician cameos on the series and we're going to share a couple songs that uh, maybe we – you know pre-existing songs that we we can't not associate with the simpsons and, and then uh we're gonna, we're gonna close it by talking about homer palooza which is certainly one of my favorite episodes I'm, I'm gonna guess that it's one of yours too and yeah i mean we could we could like when, when i was told like yeah don't put homer palooza on these lists i mean like it it took away a lot but it's like yeah, that's that's like its own universe that's that's like that's like existing as a separate season where uh it, it exists like almost Separate just because of the musical guest and like the capturing the zeitgeist that is that. I've never said zeitgeist aloud. Uh, <laughs> that's like, always, like a term used as like a music writer, but like you never say it aloud. Sure. Off, uh, show. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we'll talk you know, a whole lot more about that later. It's probably uh, you know if not the best music themed Simpsons episode, it's certainly one of them. Uh, but why don't we start off with the with our with our best songs list? So. Uh, you, you go first, Ian. Tell me what you had uh, as your number five. Okay. okay. I mean, when, when I think about the uh, best songs on The Simpsons, like, I wonder whether um, it had to be a complete song um, because there are just like some snippets that have uh, stood out to me more than most. Um, you know, for example, like, I put it number five, and this is not a complete song, but it's um, when the B-sharps... Um, you know, not uh, Baby on Board, but, like, the song they're trying to make about, like, the effort. See, ever coop, right. For all the latest <laughs> medical poop. For whatever reason, that one just, like, stands out to me as, like, a nice metaphor for um, just, like, a tired-ass band uh, trying to, you know, squeeze out songs that, you know, and uh, not starting to realize it's over. And that one stuck with me just as, like, um, uh, like anytime I hear a band that is clearly gassed and do not like each other, it's like yeah, that's a the effort song right there. <laughs> um, oh, that that is an obscure choice, and even by, by Simpson standards, at least that that is not one that I, w- I would have uh, predicted here on your list. But it's a good one, and uh, I, I would say that if if you were to come up with another episode that would kind of rival Homer Palooza as like kind yeah. of the, the ultimate music theme Simpsons episode, it would be uh, the B sharps episode. I think it's called the uh, Homer's Barbershop Quartet. And there's you know, any number of songs yeah. you could choose from that too. But uh it's a, it's a good call to go well, to start us off with. Yeah, I mean, um so that that one's up there. Um the second is um, much more um like a regular song. It's um it's uh, the slanderous mambo. Um, okay. I don't even remember the song, but it's just like the, the ridiculousness of um the, the things that, like, the Simpsons were all about that, um, you know, a few other shows could accomplish, you know, like having, like, Tito Puente brain <laughs> for murder and then, like, um, and, and then just, like, play, like, I don't know, like, how did I, how did I know who Tito Puente was? I had like, no clue. You know, a 15-year-old, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, this guy's actually, like, like a very important figure. So um, just the way it's, like, utilized in the plot of one of the most important episodes, um, is made it, like, and also a slanderous mambo. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong with a slanderous mambo.
is just one of the best of all time. Um, that itself warrants inclusion of uh, that one. Number two, um, now this is also a song that's not a song, but um, it's from one of my favorite gags in the entire, like, of all time. It's when Homer sings the Max Power song to himself. Um, I guess in, like, the style of Goldfinger, I think. <laughs> but it's, it's just, like, one of the perfectly ridiculous moments that comes along, like, towards the later part of the good. Sure, and, and, where like Homer and, first, he comes up with a name and he sings a song about himself and just like kind of ad-libbing it. And it, it's, I, I don't know, I would have loved to have just like been there for like the creation of it. Um, right, so I, I don't have that, I didn't, I didn't consider that one on my list, but I did give strong consideration no. to uh, the Scorpio theme, like the closing Scorpio theme. Oh yeah. Which is also yeah, very Bond-esque. gotten a lot of trivia questions right in my time because of the mediocre president song it's a good resource to have uh and yeah the, the, so it's probably another one of the ultimate testaments to just like what a, a rich uh you know song catalog the show has that I don't, I don't think i had any of the same top five as you did although i do love wow. dr zayas uh and i do sometimes just just randomly start laughing thinking about from chimpanzee a to chimpanzee that's that's a that's an all-timer uh i did i guess for, for number five i did like kind of cheat and put a tie. I put a tie between uh, the monorail song, which you had on your list, and uh, we put the Spring and Springfield, which are, are kind of oh, like, yeah. like, like the, those are the two best examples to me of the kind of two like, like, like full cast numbers that you sometimes see in The Simpsons where like there'll just be a ridiculous scenario like, uh, you know, the, the, half the town wants to, to bulldoze the whorehouse and so everyone has to come and either support them or fight them. And the, the cast just bursts out into song, and the, the Simpsons do that as well as anybody. And I'm not sure if anybody even did it before them. Uh, so number four I had on my list was uh, one I'm actually surprised that you didn't rep for, which is uh, "We Do" from the Stonecutters episode. Uh, yeah. Which is you know, I'm not, I'm not even sure if it's supposed to be a parody or something. I mean, obviously it's you know it's it's about uh, the Stonecutters, which are this kind of Freemasons group that that Homer joins in a one-off episode and. Uh, it involves them taking credit for 
aliens and for uh, for Steve Gutenberg's illustrious acting career. And it, it's, it's, it's a very clever and memorable song. Uh, number three, I had Talking Softball from Homer at the Bat. Oh, it, God, yeah. Yeah, which was... That, that, was, that was definitely in consideration for mine, bro. Yeah, that, that's a great one. That's, you know, the parody of uh, Talking Baseball by Terry Cashman. Uh, plays over the, the end credits after, after Homer's team wins the pennant. And a uh, quick shout-out to, uh, to Jeff Martin, who wrote that, that song, or at least wrote the lyrics to it, uh, whose daughter, Sam Martin, I, I used to work with at, at a site called Pop Dust, and is a very, very funny woman, and uh, clearly uh, got it from her parents. Uh, and number two, uh, an all-timer, uh, Can I Borrow a Feeling from Millhouse Divided. Oh, oh, crap! You know what? That, that, that was, uh, there's like, that was on my list, and like, I'm looking at it right now, and Oh, too little, too late, Ian. But, uh, it, but it's, it's my number two. Uh, great kind of soft rock parody uh, sung by Kirk Van Houten. Hurting Hearts Need Some feel- need some Healing is, a, is a certainly like an all-time great, uh, terrible Simpsons lyric. Uh, and just the sax riff, it, it, it's, it's, it's timeless. Uh, and number one is a, is, a, is a song that isn't, isn't really funny, but I, I, it has like an emotional resonance with me like no other song from the series does. Which is "Happy Birthday, Lisa" from the St- oh, yeah. Star Raving Homer, which is uh, was famous for Michael Jackson appearing in it. Uh, and he he didn't sing the song apparently because he you know he, he was only cleared to to do the speaking parts of the episode, and then there was a whole big thing about how he performed under an alias anyway, and they were they you know there were a number of issues with I don't know licensing or just 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 clearing his name or whatever. Uh, but they got a good, very good Michael Jackson impersonator to do it, and it's a it's a song uh, sung from Bart to Lisa uh, about, you know, it, it, her birthday's coming up and uh, he doesn't get her a present, but he gets her the song. And it's, it's actually this incredibly moving song, kind of a uh, child's innocence uh, expression of joy and, and love from a brother to a sister, which, you know, actually growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons for a couple of years because my parents were afraid that my brother and I would, would, would somehow, like the, the relationship with between Bart and Lisa would somehow rub off on us, and they saw that as a very negative influence. I'm still not quite sure where that came from, and, and certainly the moments like this, which are very touching, and then and it's certainly not the only one between Bart and Lisa. Uh, but it shows, you know, the songs were often really funny for the show, but they could be incredibly powerful too. Uh, yeah. And um, I think that's, um, that's a good point about like the emotional. Like I, like most of mine were just like the completely like random. Like sure. half song, like the, the guy by voices version. <laughs> yeah, I think that's um, you're, whereas you're like the, you like the completed one, where it's like there's like a full song and they would show up on a soundtrack. But I think that just once again proves the depth. And I, I do like your pick for number one. I mean, like there are some songs uh, from The Simpsons, like you know, Who Needs a Quickie Mark, for example, that um, and just so many episodes that have this like really gutting emotional resonance to that. Um, like, can I borrow a feeling? I mean, that that too is just like if you're if you're caught a certain way, it's like, <laughs> most, it's like not it cuts. Funny. It's like, oh God, I, God, we've all been there. It's certainly, certainly true. Uh, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw a pace list of the forty best uh, best Simpson songs from from last year. I yeah. think not 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 to, to to talk shit on pace or anything, but uh, thir- number thirty eight for Happy Birthday, Lisa. I, I, that, what are you doing, Pace? That's that's just inexcusable. Uh, and before we move on, I do want to give a quick a quick shout out to uh, to O Streetcar, the, the entirety of the O Streetcar production. Oh God, yeah, yeah. 
hard to choose just one song from that, but uh, uh, you know, I'm just a simple paper boy. Uh, New Orleans, which was apparently like very controversial in its time, I, I didn't realize until reading up on that recently. But uh, that that was that was the Simpsons, uh, you know, musical recreation of a streetcar named Desire, which is such a random thing to do in an episode, but they, they did it so well. And the, the songs, I I certainly, you know, I, I heard those songs well before I ever saw A Streetcar Named Desire and, and watching the movie oh, yeah. for the first time. You know, all you can do is just think about how it lines up with those ridiculous Simpsons songs. Yeah, I mean, and also, um, we can we can, we can throw on there, um, you know, like when I was 17. Um, oh, for sure. Like, but, yeah, that, that one's kind of like a crossover between like a Simpsons original and like, a song that I discovered in the Simpsons, but um, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, it's almost impossible. Like, if you hear a song that was interpolated by the Simpsons, it's almost impossible to remove it from that context. Very true. Um, before we move on to the uh, the guest appearances, I do want to ask you quickly about a song that. I'm, I'm very not surprised that either of us uh, didn't pick, and partly because I don't think it was actually ever in an episode. But it does kind of, you know, exist outside of The Simpsons in a way that I know what you're about to say. In a way, in a way that I personally uh, don't really relate to because I was a little bit too young when it came out. But uh, do you have any strong feelings about "Do the Bartman"? Um, I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. And um, it's that you know, if you really want to do the um, the comparison of The Simpsons being into the Beatles, I mean, sure. that's like sort of like the the Beatlemania version where you it's. I mean, it's just like merchandising everything, and um, I don't remember. I mean, I, I remember Do the Barman. I almost have very distinct memories of seeing it premiere after a Simpsons episode. The same way that uh, Joey Lawrence tried to launch his solo. <laughs> yeah, did not the live action like, Bart, Joey Lawrence. But fuck, here, here we are. But um, yeah, it's you know, it, it's such it's. It's almost like, you know, something you have to apologize for in a sense. Because, like, it's so, like, I don't think it's meant to be funny. I think it's, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to even remember what its actual purpose was. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, there was, like, a... There's an entire CD made of like you know, dates on that, right? Yeah, I think there was there was a CD like a, a compilation of like a couple originals. There's also Deep Deep Trouble, which was co-produced by DJ Jazzy oh, Jeff. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Sort of sign of the times there. Uh, and I think most of this, uh, the album was called. I'm blanking on it now. I'll look it up later. But uh, it, was, it was a compilation that had, like, a couple of those originals and a, a bunch of, like, the Simpsons singing, like, I don't know, blues and soul standards, I guess. I've never heard it. To, to be honest, I'm not even sure that I've ever actually even heard all, to the, do the Bartman all the way through. Like, I, I get the yeah. gist of it, and I feel like I'm good with that. Yeah, because I'm pretty certain it was, like, to the degree it could be, um, it, it, to the degree it could be, it was, like, state-of-the-art 1989, like, you know, Sure, sure. Dark Days for Everybody. And uh, th- that, that album was, in fact, called The Simpsons Sing the Blues, uh, which uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think, 
It's probably not available anywhere. Actually, the, the sad thing is that there are a couple really good Simpsons compilations, uh, Songs in the Key of Springfield and Go Simpsonic with the Simpsons, both of which you know, I owned when I was younger, and I, I probably knew a lot of the songs, especially from Songs in the Key of Springfield, which came out first. I knew a lot of the songs from that. I, would know, I knew all the words to them before I ever actually saw them in their proper context. Uh, and they're not really available on Spotify or I don't think any of the, the major streaming services, which is kind of a bummer, but uh, I guess it just means you have to actually go back and watch the episodes. So, uh, so moving on, we're going to talk about uh, you know our favorite guest stars, our favorite music-related guest stars on The Simpsons. Uh, uh, before we get into the list, uh, Ian, do, do you know who the first ever musical guest was on The Simpsons? You see, um, I got my ass handed to me at Simpsons Trivia first, <laughs> and, this is, and, and, this, and this is where my true colors start to show. So, um, uh, oh, I. Uh, it's, it was idea. Tony Bennett and uh, Dancing Homer, the Capital City episode. Oh, yeah. Which I wouldn't have gotten either, for the record. And, and as a matter of fact, I remember, like, you know, in, in New York, there, there are a couple Simpsons trivia, you know, kind of outings that, that that happen regularly at, at, at bars around the city. And uh, I remember I told my parents that I went to one once, and they were like, oh, man, you love that show. You must have, like, absolutely cleaned up there. And I was like, no, but... By Simpsons standards, I'm like average at best. I didn't. I, I I haven't watched in a while, and I only really know the first ten seasons. And like the fact yeah. that I, I I really was an obsessive fan of the show growing up. You know, I had like you know the the the, the guidebook to it that I read so much that the, the pages fell out of the binding, oh. stuff like that. Yeah, but but that that leaves me in like I don't know the top thirty percent maybe. Like it's really not exceptional. Yeah, man, it's, it's like that. That was such a going to a Simpsons trivia night. Such an eye opening. It really is. Like, in, on some level, sort of comforting. <laughs> there was, there, there's like sometimes where I ask myself, like, man, like, just how deep am I in that? And then you find out that there are people whose like depths of knowledge so much more deep than mine. And uh, you know, uh, it, 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 it's kind of amazing, like you know, how much deeper uh, we can get into this. And, and, but also, like, these are. You go to a trivia night and they ask anything from season like thirteen on, and just like whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it requires a time investment that I just don't have access to. Like <laughs> you know, not like eighth grade anymore. Yeah, the the one that I went to has a very. Uh hard line like season 10 and earlier policy and then say anything after that yeah god bless all right so moving on to our list of favorite musicians to appear on the simpsons uh ian why don't you go first okay so um this one was really difficult because um you know they're they're very iconic um you know appearances but um once again similar to the uh similar to the previous list sometimes i take uh Making, um, both making zoological yeah. appearances or at least uh, appearing to, to, to deal with zoological problems.
play against Tyson D made fun of and um and you know, also like one of the best episodes ever. So, um it you know, those those two are just random examples of like what this could do which is just like get a cameo for like a huge joke that completely uh changed the trajectory of the episode and, you know, just become uh their own sort of uh their own sort of thing. So um number three um, and it, it, number, I'm sorry, number four, and this pains me to say it now because, like, uh, you know, the way his, the trajectory of his own career was Kid Rock. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, that, like, I just, <laughs> to play this array, that's a good song. Um, with with yeah, Joe C, too, right? What's that? With Joe C in tow, right? Yeah, Joe C, that's exactly, and that's, and Joe got, you know, less in power for Joe C. Um, that, that's just like it, that, that's one of the good memories I have of like late nineties uh, Simpsons. I, I just think it's like one of the like just one of the most ridiculous like concepts for an episode before it got like way too random. And just finding like you know having Homer singing along with Ball of the Law and um, Joe C getting these like good jokes in it. It's one of those like stuff with me to the point where I can't bear. <laughs> I can barely remember anything else from the episode except Mars saying, take them off the glass. Um, <laughs> Forgot about that part. <laughs> number, number three, um, one of the, in my opinion, one of the most underrated episodes, uh, one of underrated episodes of all time, and perhaps like the last truly great one, in my opinion, was um, Instinct. Okay. Uh, the party party episode is just like so implausible, but beautiful in the way it was executed and just like and, and just the way they utilized Justin Timberlake at the time to learn. Um and the way they all dance in tandem it's it it, it, it was just like the perfect like I, I guess the Simpsons writers even recognized just how much um, personality each of the like members of NSYNC had you know like they they, they, they were watching at them rather than the Backstreet Boys or whatever it's um it's just, it's an episode that's like one of my favorites and one of the most quotable, and it, it really is legitimized by having to think on it, so you can remember exactly why they felt the need to have a boy band episode. For um, sure, yeah. Number, number two, and I'll be shocked if this isn't on your list, is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, one of my favorite bits of trivia about this, um, this was when... Um, it was like right between they were switching from John Frusciante to like Dave Navarro, so they had, I believe, Ari Marshall in there. And this guy was like barely into the Hot Chili Peppers at all, but he got to be on the Simpsons episode. Um, I did not know that one. That, that's that's news to me. I don't think I'd ever paid attention to like who the, who the guitarist is in there with uh, with Flea and, and Anthony Kiedis. Well, if you had a one-hot-minute uh, <laughs> book like I did, you might have paid attention. Fair um, enough. But yeah, it's, uh, that that one is just like wow, like no way. There's the arguments about like how they're gonna like uh, alter, give it away. Um, just it, God, it's it, 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 it's like a reminder of like how many bands like were on The Simpsons and like had a sense of humor and just became completely humorless <laughs> uh, just going forward. Yeah, and, I didn't know, no one could have foreseen the, the Stadium Arcadium era from uh, Forget You Clown. Sounds like our children. <laughs> wow, everyone can enjoy that. Um, 
And my number one, I think this is kind of cheating because of the um, common thread, the fact they're not even a real band is Final Tap. Okay, um, they, they were an honorable mention for me. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure whether to go with them or not. Um, God, just every... And, like, it, it, it's kind of cheating because, I mean, it's, a lot of the humor with the musical guests comes from, like, their reading of the line. You know, just specifically, like, Billy Corgan. Um, that one, you know, comes to mind. Uh, but, just, you know, in Final Tap, like, they're comedian, And, you know, they probably write their own jokes. But, um, yeah, it's like, what... The, the radio interview itself. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, two two things about the uh, the Spinal Tap appearance, which which I, I agree with is is a great one, even if kind of kind of off the beaten path for what we're talking about here. Uh, one is that I love that uh, they they're treated like a real band. Then uh, that sort of like yeah. you know the fact that they're a fictional band, the Simpsons and the Simpsons is a fictional universe. Uh, it makes sense they would be treated as if they're they're a, a real band, even though you know it's not a shared fictional universe. Obviously, uh, yeah. and I, I also love that they just die at the end of the episode. That their their tour bus, I think, or whatever the, the, the car they're traveling in, just blows up, and that, that's not dealt with at all. I, I don't even remember how it happens, but I just remember that they're you know they're, they're talking. Oh yeah, good show last night, and then all of a sudden their bus blows up, and, and that's never never dealt with again. All right, so once again, our, our lists are basically completely different. My my, my number five. Was a tie between Red Hot Chili Peppers and and Bette Midler, also from the Krusty Bits oh, Castle yeah, episode. Uh, you know, Bette Midler, who apparently like, needed, you know, it was a requirement in her contract that her her like anti littering program get airtime, which is why they, they have her as this like Terminator esque uh, superhero, like avenging littering alongside the highways. Uh, that was a very good, you know, playing against type sort of cameo. Uh, playing into type more so was my number four, which was uh, Sting, and the, the we're sending all our love down the well episode. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, that's another great another great example. Yeah, for sure, and and I love uh, that they have him in the undershirt with the suspenders as well. It's, it's a it's an iconic Sting look. Uh, number <laughs> three, a little surprised you didn't have this too, which was uh, the Ramones doing uh, doing the Happy Birthday song from oh, Mr. Burns. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah. How is that not on, uh, on either of our top five? God. Yeah, uh, and, and that one was, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that was probably a lot of kids our age uh, introduction to the Ramones, or at least, you know, yeah. this is a song that you first associate with them. They do this kind of punk version of Happy Birthday, and they tell Mr. Burns, go to hell, you old bastard. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't think it's on any Ramones Greatest Hits albums, or it really should be. And also, we get, before we got, like, have the Rolling Stones. Oh, right. We would be, we'd be remiss to go any further without mentioning how the Rolling Stones killed, for sure. Uh, and I wonder if they knew at the time that they would one day have the Rolling Stones on the, on the show themselves. But clearly, clearly they didn't take it personally. So uh, two, I got to have a Beatle. I went with George Harrison, mostly for the reasons you mentioned for James Taylor and Barry White, where it's just like, you know... It, it, it's not a throwaway appearance necessarily, but it's definitely like a significantly underplayed appearance. You know, he shows up in the yeah. Bouchard's episode, which is obviously a Beatles tribute to begin with. And, you know, he says hi to Homer, and Homer immediately like, you know, he latches on to the fact that he's eating a brownie and he wants to know where he got the brownie from. And that's basically the entirety of the George Harrison cameo, aside from at the end where he shows up to comment on their like Let It Be like stadium or uh, rather the Moe's rooftop performance. Uh, yeah. So that was great. That was a great kind of wasted legend there. Uh, Number one, talking about bands that you know lost their sense of humor almost immediately afterwards, uh, you got to talk about U two, and uh, oh, yeah. and the, the trash. 
and uh, the, the Trash the Titans episode, uh, uh, you know, uh, Homer goes or he goes to infiltrate a U2 concert to launch his own plan for Garbage Commissioner. And not not only is, is Bono like willing to like cede the stage to him because he thinks, you know, let's talk about waste management, man, that affects the whole damn planet. But he, he also like he knows who Homer's rival Garbage Commissioner is, Ray Patterson. He's like, I hear Ray Patterson's a fine Garbage Commissioner. Uh, you know, forgive my terrible Irish accent there, but uh, you know, I, I thought that was just a, a brilliant like self parody for U two, and you know, it, it was a fun era of U two. It was like the Pop Mart era, and he's wearing the Fly T shirt, and uh, I just have very fond memories of that. And that was that was towards the end of you know, I remember like a couple seasons after that, they had REM on there, and yeah. R- REM like didn't quite work. So usually, the bands on The Simpsons work the best when they can kind of either play like super into type or play super against type but rem doesn't really have like a cartoonish type the way some of these other bands do and yeah. and and so that was kind of an awkward one but you two i thought was, was was one of the all-timers so that's my number one one i wish i paid more attention to when they were on was uh fish um so i, I don't i don't even remember that when, when 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 were fish on Fish was on I, there was i think it was like a an episode in the early 2000s where like uh, i believe it's the try to legal I think maybe I saw it in, in doing research for this, but yeah, it, it's you know every every year or so, every couple of years, you get that temptation to go back and be like, oh, maybe you know you judge it too harshly. You you shouldn't judge you know the last twenty seasons against the first ten seasons, or you know maybe that just the writing staffs have turned over so many times that maybe like this new writing staff is is going to be closer to the classic Simpsons. And I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know if it's me or if it's the show or if it's just too much time has passed. Or what? But like every time I do it, I'm almost always disappointed. Uh, I don't know about you, but like I, every time I, I try to dip back in, I, I always like am reminded of why I stayed away in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's kind of a bummer, but you know the the, the, the ten seasons obviously uh, it's enough. Like you, I, you, I just wonder if there's going to be like someone here in this podcast who's like super serious about like season 22 and just like call out a bunch of posers. <laughs> and I hope so, man. I, I hope there's there's a reason why the show's still on the air. Presumably there's still people out there watching it. So I, 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 yeah. it would almost be kind of comforting if it was just an age thing and if like people 25 and under are just like, what are you talking about? Like the Simpsons are good now as they ever been. Or, but I feel like people like that, they're not even watching the Simpsons. They're watching, you know, you know, I guess probably not even South Park anymore, but like first they were watching South Park and Family Guy and, and even Futurama. You know, you get the people who say that Futurama's better than the Simpsons. Uh, and yeah, this is this is becoming very old man ranty. So let's let's move on at this point. Uh, and why don't you talk to us about a couple of songs that you associate with The Simpsons, Ian? Okay, so there's three songs where um, it, there's kind of a uh, permeability between the first list we did and this one because um, some of them I learned them through The Simpsons because they were you know somewhat uh, altered. Uh, the first is like one of my favorite. Um, like throwaway gags is um, like hey there Georgie girl um, <laughs> for sure the seekers yeah yeah and you just see like Homer like holding up a table like making up his own song like hey there people like, and he starts crying <laughs> um it, it you know I, I, it was funnier when I saw 
almost even better because like it was just like like the ability to like think, oh yeah, my big boy, yeah. Let's, let's yeah, like who who pitches that, that in the writers' room? Who who says, oh yeah, that's a great idea? Like it's it's crazy, but it, you know, it, it obviously leaves an impression yeah. twenty five some years later. Um, the next song is the one by the RT Sugar Sugar. Okay. Um, it, it's just um, it's just a great um, it's, it's a, like a great moment in the series where uh, you know like another incredible episode where they go on the camping trip to junior campers and Homer's singing that song to himself like he's dancing with like the lot and like tape blows out or whatever. <laughs> um, that was a that was a song that like once again I thought like it wasn't a real song and then you find out it was and then like you, you just kind of realize that Homer Simpson himself might have been like some trivia nerd back in the day no different than us um, number three um, another throwaway gag but I, this is how I found out I learned I found out about cheap trick in the Simpsons um, you know it, you know oh, dream police sure. like, I prefer cheap trick but there's the, the part where like Apu is uh, cleaning his car, like watching his car and singing along to Dream Police. And it, it, it's just like a great, you, this is how I imagine Cheap Trick being in that time where you're just like a shirtless, you're a shirtless guy, like, um, you know, watching your firebird or whatever. <laughs> it's like, can I split, can I, then he gets back and go like, I'll poop out, saying, you know, can I spray you, playfully spray you with this hose, and then he sprays Bart, like, terribly. Um, Number two, <laughs> this, this one's just, uh, I, I can't think about this one without laughing. It's uh, Tighten Up by Archie Gomes. Right, yes. And, uh, Good call. This is, it's just, it, it's just uh, all these seem to be Homer Simpson just getting off into his own reverie. Um, and, like, he's all one band and then he gets, uh, just blows off to Debbie. Um, <laughs> and I also like Flash, like, Tighten Up, and I also, because, you know, I got sampled later on by the Goat Team. Um, so that song itself, I don't even know if I've heard the originals, but every other context I've heard it just brings me so much, um, just so much joy. Well, and, um, so uh, that, that, that is, that is like a, a very good song, a Tighten Up by Archie Bell, but it, it yeah. They, they they did they did a really good job of when when they dipped into like those late sixties kind of bubblegummy or, or just sort of forgotten like pop classics. They, they, they did a good job of picking kind of weird idiosyncratic pop songs that kind of kind of fit well when taken out of context and then and put in this this yeah. totally bizarre context. Uh, so yeah, they, they, they had a good musical supervisor for that. And number one uh, song I found out about Bruce Simpson. Oh god, it's kind of cheating because it is it. It's, it's only in the, it's in the context of, I just realized it's in the context of Hawkeluza, so uh, I apologize, but it's Mississippi Queen, um, only because it goes into, like, first off, it's like, what what is more, like, I mean, what what it is like the, like, stairway to heaven of front rock, or whatever you want to call it, like, it is just every single, like, aspect uh, put into this, like, I mean, I just like to make the joke, like, whenever, um, you read something about like Joe Biden, it's like, yeah, Mississippi Queen is always playing in his head. It's, it's just like this kind of like badass song um, that is just completely and utterly um, like late 70s, early, like, you know, late, late 60s, early 70s, just straight up like classic rock. And, you know, then it gets into the classic rant where like Homer apparently goes all for. Um, you know, like all four, like members, like Grand Funk, Grand Funk or whatever. Sure. But um, that's a different band. But just 
That's fine, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll certainly talk more about all things Grand Funk later. But uh, So, yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on mine. Uh, you know, I'll just kind of mention two sort of strains of song that, that The Simpsons kind of went back to a bunch of times, uh, and none of which I had known like ahead of time, one of which is uh, the musical Hair. Like, they had... They had like three separate songs. Uh, they, they had you know, the song hair uh, for when, when Marge is starting to lose her hair in the, the Sherry Bobbins episode. They have a Good Morning Starshine by Oliver, which is uh, the one where we're, uh, you know, Mr. Burns, is, they think he's an alien and he emerges with this green glow and he sings the song. Uh, and The Age of Aquarius, I don't even remember where they used that one, but, but all, all three of them come from the musical hair. I, I don't know if some, you know, someone in, in the writing staff must have had the cast album Maybe it was just a big thing from the late '60s, but I, I certainly didn't know any of that at the time. And the the other kind of big strain is uh, Frank Sinatra. Uh, they, they got uh, you know South of the Border uh-huh. in, in, the, in the the Camp Krusty episode, uh, Summer Wind after Martin gets pantsed and uh, the one the one with the, with the swimming pool. That's a classic. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, it was a very good beer. Their their parody of it was a very good year, which. Uh, it's a very funny, very funny parody of a very, very sad song. Uh, but I certainly knew the parody before I knew the sad song. So that's all great. Uh, and so, yeah, at last we, we arrive at Homer Palooza. Uh, this is obviously one of the best episodes of The Simpsons. And it's, it's one of the funniest episodes of The Simpsons. But as, as you kind of alluded to earlier, uh, the older you get, it stops being so funny. It kind of gets uh, sad and, and real and, and just, just, just very, very true about the sort of feeling of growing up as a music fan and, you know, things are changing around you, but you're not necessarily changing yourself and, uh, and, and just kind of the, the impact that can have on your psyche. So, so Ian, why don't, why don't you, I'm just going to let you loose. Why don't, why don't you go in on a Homer Palooza for a minute? Homer Palooza. Um, it's, I mean, like, I mean, you cliche, like what, what to be said, but, um, it's, I mean, like you think, you think about the fact that it had both, the Smashing Pumpkins and Sonic Youth, which, um, in, re- in retrospect, they were very diametrically opposed bands. Um, you know, like Kim, like I'm pretty, like I- I'm pretty sure, like you know, Billy Corgan had beef with them because you know Sonic Youth thought they, like Smashing Pumpkins, were a bunch of posers. Sure. Um, and uh, you know, Cypress Hill, uh, and it's so crazy to think about, like how um, how prescient that episode was because I mean like Laurel Palooza um, like was I mean for the most part the the, the only festival um, that I could really remember from that time I mean obviously there were other ones but as far as America goes um, just the way it kind of predicted like the, the price out the price gouging of festivals and sure. just the rise of it it's like there, there's a certain kind of poignance in there but um, it's 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 also just um, it's so weird that like, all of a sudden like for one episode like Bart and Lisa know how to play like, cool music. It's, <laughs> um, it's true. They never really explained that. Um, they kind of like played fast and loose with that, but um, I, I mean, the Smashing Pumpkins like probably would have been number one on my list had they been eligible. Um, it's it's just a such a great you, like playing both sides of like. That you're saying, it's like, you know, one, three, blue, and beef, like, girl, we try to make a difference. Um, like, God, I don't know how many times that's, like, 
to like let the writers let, like let the band go. But like, I mean, also like Peter Frampton in there as well. And, yeah, like, we're we're, we're going to talk about Peter Frampton certainly. All right. So yeah, but um, to me, it's just uh, it's almost hard to talk about because it's so it's so brilliant, and yet there's like this real emotional sort of undercurrent. It's, you know, the one you talked about was like the same thing as like beach line, you know, that's where you quoted it. And, um, it's like with those, it's like, it's funny and, you know, it's, it's fun to talk about your, your friends and all that, but at the same time, it's also an episode about like aging and, um, you know, I used to be with it and they changed what it was. And now what I'm with is, I mean, fuck man, like, what about, like how, how, Yeah, it, it's it's pretty perfect, and I, I guess we probably should have done this at the top of the segment. But uh, for anybody who is listening and, and hasn't seen this episode, it's, uh, it's you know uh, it's, it's, it's basically the Simpsons take on the mid '90s alternative rock festival Lollapalooza. Uh, Homer ends up taking Bart and Lisa and Milhouse, and he's kind of aghast at uh, you know how much the culture has changed since he was a music fan when he was back in the '70s. And, you know, he ends up trying to, you know, he ends up actually joining the festival as a, as a, as a freak show side act, but he, he tries to relate more to his kids. And it's, yeah, it's all about how kind of, how, yeah, how hard it is to kind of cross the generations when it comes to rock music and when it comes to being cool and, and with it, as, as you said earlier. And I think, I think my favorite line in this episode is after, uh, you know, Homer goes to the CD store for the, for the first time in, in decades and it's, yeah. it's changed names. It used to be, you know, Good Vibrations. Now it's Suicide Notes. And he has this very kind of sobering conversation with the, the record store clerk. And a, as he's walking out, he, he, he you know, he laments to, to nobody in particular. Like, I don't understand. You know, what's going on with the kids these days? Everybody knows that Rock achieves perfection in 1974. It's a, it's a scientific fact. Yeah. And like... Using 1974 specifically, like that was the year that like was in between albums by Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and and Bruce Springsteen and some other acts. Like it is, I would say probably close to universally agreed upon as like the critical nadir for for rock music of that era. And that the fact that that they they like placed Homer so squarely in that in that mindset is, is just perfect. Uh, so yeah, you talked about the guests and and, they, and they're all great. I think the the four. The four Hullabalooza acts that they have on the lineup are yes, Smashing Pumpkins, Sonic Youth, uh, Cypress Hill, and Peter Frampton. And and as, as I said earlier, I do, I do want to kind of go off on Peter Frampton for a minute because I, I can't think of a, like a single '70s classic rock figure that would have been less likely to appear on like a, a Lollapalooza yeah. type festival than Peter Frampton. And apparently, uh, apparently, like they they wanted to get Bob Dylan, they maybe tried to get Neil Young too, and you know the you know, eight people said no, and eventually they got Peter Frampton. But uh, I don't know who it should have been. You know, you mentioned Cheap Trick earlier. I, I was looking it up, and apparently they were actually on the 1996 Lollapalooza lineup, so maybe that would have been wow. the direction to go in. But uh, yeah, but even with that, it's, it's so many classic lines, so many classic moments, and uh, I'd, I'd say it's probably the episode that I end up quoting the most in my day to day life. Yeah. Oh, that that certainly helps. Yeah, and but, but you know, so many different lines apply to so many different situations, and it's it's a it's a great episode. Yeah. And if, uh, if if somehow you've listened yeah. this far in the podcast and you haven't you haven't seen it, you, you got to go out and watch that. Find find track it down. Do whatever you got to do. Right, man. Like do that if you can. Like before you listen to anything we have to say, we should really put a disclaimer at the beginning of it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. 
and, and, and hopefully uh, the, the, the youth of America that are currently like lionizing seasons 21 to 30 of The Simpsons and you know, never even seen the first 10 seasons at this point, uh, they can go back and, and rediscover uh, what we initially fell in love with. All right, I think we, we got to get going, man. Thank you so much, Ian Cohen, for, for appearing on this podcast and memorializing our probably favorite TV show of all time. Awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me.